Welcome to Disrupting Japan. Straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Chiemi and to Agatha. Actually, Agatha is the startup created by Chiemi Kamakura and her co-founders to solve a global problem in the record-keeping required for clinical trials that are run by pharmaceutical companies. Chiemi tells a great story, and one that illustrates why SaaS is slowly taking over the business world. We talk about the challenges of launching a SaaS startup in a highly regulated industry, the advantages of thinking global from day one, and selling to Japanese customers who always seem to want customization. And Chiemi also explains that, contrary to the stereotype, most Japanese workers and regulators don't really like having to rely on mountains of paper. For the most part, they hate it just as much as the rest of us. And today, we'll explain the two things that are actually keeping them from going digital. But you know, Chiemi tells this story much better than I can. So let's get right to the interview. So we're sitting here with Chiemi Kamakura of Agatha, who makes clinical and regulatory document management for small, early-stage clinics and life sciences companies. And, and Chiemi, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Of course, thank you for inviting me to this opportunity. That's a great honor for me. Oh, the honor's all ours. So I gave just like a really brief explanation of, of what Agatha does, but can you flesh that out a little bit? Can, can you explain in some more detail what is it Agatha does? So we are offering document management uh, cloud service for clinical trial for hospitals and pharmaceutical companies. So is it just for the, the research stage, just for the trials themselves, or is it more for operational support as well? Yeah, so we are offering, so main target is a clinical trial business, but uh, not only that, it's from research and also marketing and manufacturing. So we are covering all stages. So what we do, especially in clinical trial, so clinical trial is operated between pharmaceutical company and hospitals. There are many, many communications on trial. Those communications, still paper is used. Okay, so it's, well, let's get into some specifics. So maybe tell me about your customers. So if you're improving the communication between the hospitals and the laboratories doing the trials, walk me through an example. How does that work? Yeah, in hospitals, the people who are managing clinical trials, those are our users. And in pharmaceutical company side, also people in clinical trial department, <laughs> so they are our users. Let me explain what happens is uh, between pharmaceutical companies and uh, hospitals. First, pharmaceutical company visit hospitals and then request to conduct clinical trials at this hospital and then uh, send applications and uh, other documentation so there are really a lot of documents 
uh, research how much document is used in one hospital. Two tons of paper are used in one hospital every year. The medical industry is, is famous for generating huge amounts of documents and huge amounts of yeah. paperwork. But I, I'm sure there's still a lot of actual paper being used, but, you know, it's 2020. Yes. How, how are these companies solving these problems now? It can't, they can't all really be, they can't really be doing everything on paper now. After COVID, it's uh, moving a little bit, but uh, still paper is used because I think like doctors and uh, people at hospitals, they are really concentrate on patients and uh, their family. So they don't have enough time to think about uh, IT system or new technologies. So they are really focused on patients. Because if you use paper, you don't have to think about anything. The reason that it's still on paper, it is, it's not due to regulations. It's just the conservative nature of the industry. Yeah, I think so. It's conservative. I'm IT person, <laughs> so but uh, if even if a company who want to implement new IT system. You need to do do a lot of things. You have to change the process. You have to give training for users. Those many stuff, you have to do that. It's a barrier for hospital people, I think. Okay. And I, I really want to d- dive into the, the market itself. But before we do that, I want to take a step back and talk about you. Yeah. So... You started Agatha in, in 2015, right? Right. What motivated you to, to start a company? Yeah, actually, I found this issue. There are so many papers in tri- clinical trial. I found that in 2007, when I visited one of the hospitals, at the time I was working at Hitachi, I was looking for a new business for Hitachi and then I visited one hospital and then in one meeting room I saw that a lot of people like 30 centimeter paper per person then there are for for 20 people (laughs) so I was so shocked what is this paper and then I asked the um, person at the hospital and then she answered this is a document sent from a pharmaceutical company. It's for application for clinical trial. And then next week, there's a meeting for that. And then after that, then everything will be destroyed. Then I was so shocked. I, I bet. But after that, did you go back to Hitachi and say, hey, we've got a great opportunity here to make a new yes. product? Right, exactly. So I what went back Hitachi to. Say? <laughs> yes. <laughs> then I saw also shocked. So Hitachi should be the company who solves those issues by IT. And then what was that? Then I talked to my colleague, and then he said, "Yes, Hitachi has great product that costs two million US." All right, <laughs> all right. <laughs> they cannot buy. They are not afford. So we're be- we're beginning to see why these hospitals are using so much paper. Right. <laughs> it's it's not that they're so conservative necessarily. It's just they can't afford to upgrade their. Uh... Right. Oh wow. Yeah, that's how I met this opportunity about clinical trial papers, and then it was two thousand seven. 
So there are still on-premise system was used. Then after like five and ten years, many services are moving to cloud. Then if you use cloud, then many systems downsizing. So not only hospital or life science or. Yeah, this is really interesting. I think all over Japan now we're in the middle of this SaaS renaissance, this golden yeah. age of SaaS, where customers are realizing, enterprise is realizing that wait, we don't need to go with our SI. Right. We can we can bring in these little systems and we can experiment and and we can try something new. Right. That's exactly what I thought. So hospitals are a little bit conservative. So it's always as an industry go fast and then coming to healthcare or life science. So I saw that many SaaS startup companies bringing new uh, innovation to many business processes. Then it, in 2015, I thought it's the timing we can bring to hospital and pharma. Well, it looks like your timing was good. Yeah. Let me ask you, why Agatha? Does that have any special meaning? Agatha is, so our mission is aspirations for good health and life. So there's an A-G-A-T-H-A in that. Okay. All right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, no, it's a very, it's a very pleasant, catchy name. And, and yeah. It's also... Even your blog is like Aggie's blog. And <laughs> yeah. I had it from uh, the name of Saint of uh, Ancient Greece. Yes. I've not, you're also, you've been very fast and aggressive in your international expansion. Mm-hmm. So you've got you've got offices in Boston and Lyon, France. Yeah. Were you international from the very beginning? Yes. Yeah. Co-founder is uh, in Lyon, France. So pharmaceutical companies are all working globally. So even if Japanese pharmaceutical company, so they once they uh, go to market and then they sell their product as a countries to. They are working, pharmaceutical companies are working globally. So therefore, Agatha also have to provide our service globally. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense for our clients. But it's a big challenge as a, as a startup. How, how is the, the team spread out? Is like most of the development in Japan or how many people do you have in each, each location? Yeah, we have, now we have 40 people in total. And one third is outside of Japan. So like 10, 12 in Lyon, that's a development team, and three, four people in US, that's a marketing team. And internationally, now obviously in, in Japan, you're marketing yourself as a Japanese startup, you are a Japanese company, but when you go international, do you present yourself as a Japanese company or do you try to present yourself more as a local company? Well. We really don't specifically introduce ourselves as a Japanese company. <laughs> I think in France they are saying we are just French company, and in US probably they are saying US company. I don't exactly know. <laughs> no, no. I, I was just curious because many many Japanese startups when they go abroad, they end up kind of changing things or rebranding a little for each market. But so, for example, is the product the same in all the markets? Is the value proposition the same in all the markets? 
Yeah, it's、uh, exactly the same for all of the country. From the beginning, our product was in English and Japanese, and then built by European team. So, so let, let's dig deeper into both the go to market and the product itself. Because, okay, so when, when you were telling me you went to Japanese hospitals and, and there's these stacks of 30 centimeter high documents in front of everyone, okay, it's surprising, but it's not that surprising. <laughs> We, we've all heard stories like that of, of Japanese enterprise or government on paper. But, but I'm, I'm surprised to hear the same stories coming out of the US or, or France. Is the situation the same there, or is, are you filling kind of a bigger need? Probably it's a little bit ahead in the US, but、uh, it's similar all over the world, I think. So, when I, we ran exhibition booths in the US a few years ago, there are many people from hospitals in the United States. And then some people said only the large hospitals are using、uh, systems, but many smaller hospitals they are still using paper. So, I was also shocked. <laughs> It is kind of shocking. Yeah. So, so... <laughs> So, there are lots of ways to share documents online.、Um, so, I mean, it, it, you know, any, any company, even a tiny little company, could use SharePoint or, or Dropbox. Or, so, so, what does Agatha give these companies that's not available from the standard document sharing SaaS companies? Regulation. It's a regulated industry. So, they have to use a system which is compliant with. Their regulation, regulation of Japan, US, Europe. So it is a key of our business, which is regulatory compliance. Okay, okay. So it's like the, the HIPAA laws in the US. Right, right. So otherwise, so they have to use paper. They can, they can use SharePoint, they can use Google Drive, but then they have to keep document with paper. That makes sense. Let, let's talk a bit about your go to market because th- this is such a specialized industry. It, it seems like an industry where everybody knows each other.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there's a relatively small number of buyers who all know what everyone else is doing. So, what was your go to market? How did you acquire your, your first two or three customers? Yeah, I've been in、uh, this、uh, industry f- since 2007. So, through those 10 years, I have met、uh, many people in pharmaceutical industry and hospitals and got to know each other. I was always talking about this is a、uh, we should fix、uh, to talk to pharmaceutical company and、uh, hospitals. I found that I'm、um, Big gap between hospital side and pharmaceutical company side. So they try to fix their issues by themselves, but from a pharma perspective, they have to communicate with hospital. It, it almost sounds like in Japan, it's almost like your first customers develop the product with you. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking with them about it for so many years, right? Yeah, 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 yes. <laughs> 
that is a great way to develop a product with that level of customer input. Yes, it was a lot of fun. But how does that translate overseas when you went to the US or France? You didn't have those, those personal connections. You didn't have that deep understanding of those target customers' needs. Yeah, but uh, the business of pharmaceutical company, it's very similar worldwide. So there is, we don't have to change our product at all. We can use same sales material globally. We just need to launch website. And then even first five years, we didn't have any sales rep for worldwide. So we just received inbound leads from our website. Also, we knew some people from previous job. Maybe that's the advantage because it is such a small industry that the U.S. customers knew who the Japanese customers were. Right, right, right. They considered them very valid use cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's a huge advantage that most startups don't have. A lot of times startups find that they have to almost start from scratch when they go to a new market. Right. Because uh, myself and our CEO in France, both of us knew we can sell the same thing worldwide. Pharma is such a huge industry globally. And, and Japan has actually a much larger pharma industry than most people outside Japan realize. But looking five years into the future, how much of your market do you see is overseas versus how much of your market will be in Japan? Now, the 30% of business is outside of Japan already. In five years, I think 70% business come from worldwide. Yeah, the market is much larger outside of Japan, so we can, we can grow. So you expect it just to, to flip from yeah. 70-30 to 30-70? Yes, I think so. Let's talk a bit about Japan. Okay. In general. Yes. In general. So Agatha is about 60% women? Yeah, 60%, yes. Was that a, a target you set or was that something that just kind of happened naturally? Yeah, it happened naturally, I think. So the reason I ask is, so Japan has one of the lowest rates of women founders in the world. Yeah, it's so sad. I know. E- even in Asia, it's one of the lowest. <laughs> so what, what can we do? What should be done to, to encourage or to help more women start startups? I think one of the, the good job to do the CEO of the company, you know, CEO can control how to work, what to do. So if you are an employee, you have to, to, how to say Yeah, I can see. It's a lot more, a lot more independence. Right, right. right. And CEO, you can decide life on your own, right. you know, your that own is, control. Right, yes. Yeah, there are many challenges and tough stuff, but um, if you think you want to, do something, you have things you want to do. I think one of the way is to be the founder of the company. I agree. Actually, a lot of women I talk to agree, but they're still not <laughs> starting the company. <laughs> but in, in your case, for example, when you were deciding, when you were debating with yourself whether to quit your good job 
or to start a company. That's a, that's a hard and a personal decision for everybody. But was there any time you were thinking like, this is going to be hard because I'm a woman? I didn't think so. <laughs> I, I didn't think about that. And so just the regular difficult yeah. startup stuff. Right. But I think that's because we don't have kids. So if I have kids, probably different story, but、uh, I don't. So it's easier, <laughs> I think. So, do you think the best way to encourage more women to start companies is just to, to emphasize the, the independence and the control you have over your own life? Yeah, you can make d e c i s i o n you can execute what you want to do. It is a lot of fun, I want to say. <laughs> I think so too. I really do. <laughs> I've never understood why everyone isn't doing this.、I've... <laughs> um... Actually, okay, let's, let's go back to going global. I'm going to ask、right. your advice about all kinds of things today. So, Agatha went global really fast, really early. What advice do you have for Japanese startups who are thinking of going global, who want to expand internationally? If you are thinking about、uh, a global business, it's to be designed from the beginning. So, once you start from Japan and expand to global, I think it's extremely difficult. You have to change many things. But we were thinking from the beginning we will do global business, but just start from Japan. That, that seems like really good advice, but practically, as you were building out the product, as you were building out the services, were there any times where you had to think, Oh, no, 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 we don't want to do it this way because we want to go global at some point. How, how did that affect the decisions day to day? Yeah, until now, it's been seven years, but we have never developed any feature which is used only in Japan. So everything we develop only the things which can be used everywhere. Okay, so if, even if a Big customer comes to you with a feature request, it has to be something that can be deployed for the whole world. Yes, we never, we never do that. That's something that's very hard for a lot of Japanese companies to do. I think, <laughs> yeah, if, if, you, if you think this is only, only this time, then it's going to <laughs> happen every time. <laughs> It's, yeah, yes, exactly. There's, there's no only this time. Right. It's company philosophy. We can we develop the things for worldwide. I think that, that, is something that, that is something that's very difficult for many Japanese founders to do, to say no to a customer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's difficult. It was hard for you too, I guess. Well, it's a SaaS, <laughs> SaaS era. So, so I think 10 years ago, 20 years ago, if you build a system for each company, it was more difficult. But now it's SaaS. So, our users are more accepting. And again, like, I mean, hospitals are incredibly conservative, it's very much old school systems integrators, IT. Have they been accepting of you saying, sorry, we're not going to do it that way because it's SaaS? 
<laughs> I wouldn't say that, but、uh, we are thinking. <laughs> so, it's the most important thing is customer experience and easy to use. So, Agatha is designed for hospital users can use without any trainings. Right, and customization will just destroy that. More features make it more, it makes it harder to use. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, we want to. Do everything as most simple as possible. So, right now in, in Japan, med tech innovation and med tech startups it, it's a priority for the national government, it's a priority of several prefectural governments. Did you participate in any of the government programs or the regulatory sandbox? Were, any of those, did, were you part of any of those programs? Yes, yeah, when we started the company. Yeah, we got some、uh, funding from、uh, government for marketing. Yeah, it was very helpful. Okay. Well, listen, Chiemi, b- before I let you go, I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question. And the question is if I gave you a magic wand and I told you that you could change one thing about Japan, anything at all, the way people think about risk, The education system, how, how badly customers want customization, anything at all to make it better for startups and innovation in Japan, what would you change? If I have a magical one and then remove all paper from hospitals. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know, should, shouldn't we put something else in first? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, but no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no,、um, but no, I know you're right. Japan really is addicted to paper、mm-hmm. um, in, in every industry. Well, do you think. Like the last two years of, of COVID and working from home, do you think Japan's gotten better? Do you think we've started to move away from paper? Yeah, yeah, I think so a lot. Yeah, in Japan, many business processes or many areas they are moving from paper to electronic. But will not move back again. Well, you know, there's, there's two parts of it that, that kind of move independently. So there's The laws, right? So, so recently Japan has made digital contracts binding, the same as paper contracts. They've eliminated the need for a hankel. Right. You know, those are all optional now. So, those are important legal steps. Right, right. But there's also kind of the human nature and preference that sometimes takes longer.、Mm. And in your Sales, because your, your job is all about getting people off of paper and onto computers. How much of it do you think is people just like paper? <laughs> well, yeah, they not necessarily like paper, but、uh, they changing from paper to other things is tough. So they, they don't like paper, they just dislike change. Right, that's what I hear. <laughs> yeah, changing from paper to Computer, that stuff. I mean, that's a good thing for, for you. What you're saying is that, that if you show people a good enough reason to change, 
Right, yes. Now people are working from home, then they don't have access to paper that is in, in office. So that uh, is a good reason for us to move from paper to computer. And, and as we are coming out of COVID and, and people are heading back to the offices, do you think this change is permanent? Do you think we're going to have people decide, hey, no, it really is, now that I've tried it, <laughs> it really is better without paper. I think they don't go back to paper. So once they move to computer, they don't have to move to paper again. <laughs> then they have to change again. <laughs> so once you move, <laughs> right, then they stay. <laughs> you have that dislike change working in your favor this time. Right. Yeah, and we can finally get that, that paperless society we've been talking about since the 90s. Yes, finally. <laughs> Listen, Chiemi, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Tim, for this opportunity. I really enjoyed that. And we're back. Now, Chiemi explained perfectly why there are such huge opportunities for B2B SaaS in Japan right now. Enterprise IT is complicated. And I don't mean complicated in terms of interoperability and scalability. Those kinds of problems are sometimes hard, but they tend to be pretty well-defined, or at least predictable, and they lend themselves to existing engineering solutions. No, no. What really makes enterprise IT hard is compliance. Any given business function might be subject to regulation by a dozen different laws enforced by two or three different agencies. And all systems must not only be compliant, but be able to prove that they're compliant. Now, naturally, most companies want to outsource these systems for both practical and career-saving reasons. Outsourcing development gives enterprises a much better chance of getting it right and, perhaps more importantly, someone to point a finger at when regulators start asking questions. For the past 60 years in Japan, systems integrators have played this role and done it well. But as Chami's experience illustrates, they're now often seen as abusing that trust. And this is why there is so much potential for B2B SaaS in Japan. And Agatha illustrates this trend perfectly. Most of their customers tried to buy a system from their system integrator, but they were quoted unaffordable prices. And then Agatha came in with a complete, simple solution at maybe one-tenth the price. In addition, the deep specialization of SaaS companies like Agatha mean that they're more likely to get compliance right in their niche. Now, if you remember, last episode, Yoshibata and I discussed the possibility that Japan's current SaaS boom will turn out to be temporary and that the systems integrators will win out in the end. Well, maybe. But at the moment, the SaaS tide is rising fast in Japan. Japan's big system integrators may be able to turn it. But right now, it looks like the future belongs to smart, nimble SaaS startups like Agatha. If you want to talk more about SaaS and global expansion, Chiemi and I would love to hear from you. 
So come by DisruptingJapan.com slash show 191, and let's talk about it. If you leave a comment, I guarantee Chiemi or I, or maybe both, will respond. And hey, if you enjoy the show, tell people about it. In this age of omni-channel advertising and reviews as a service, you would be amazed how much power your honest recommendation really has. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.